0: I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>
3: Quiet, please, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly, provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live and now. Then we're
4: going to kick the Biden
3: crime family out of the White House. Here's your host.
4: Almost lost
3: my wife, my
4: 67 Corvette, and my cat.
3: Lars Larson.
5: Saturday afternoon, protesters calling for a ceasefire in Gaza and a stop to U.S. aid to Israel blocked all northbound lanes on I-5 in downtown Seattle.
0: Now, that was the reporting of King 5 News over the weekend. Five hours of freeway blockage, and guess what didn't happen? Nobody arrested. The police didn't clear anything. Not Seattle PD, not King County. Nobody. Nobody. And so far, as of today, no comment from Governor Jay Inslee or wannabe governor and now Attorney General Bob Ferguson. They had nothing to say about it at all. SPD was given a stand-down order, even though ambulances were blocked by that freeway blockage. And the King County Sheriff was ordered to block ramps on the freeway, not to help the general public, but to keep the activists who are illegally blocking Interstate 5 safe at the time. Welcome to the Lars Larson Show. Glad to have you with me uh, and glad to take your phone calls and emails. But there is one guy who's trying to get some kind of justice for the people who got stuck in that blockage for five hours, and that's Ted Frank, senior attorney at Hamilton Law, Lincoln Law Institute. Ms. Frank, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. You and I have uh, – here's the thing I want to know. I – Uh, I think this is outrageous, that law enforcement did nothing, that the authorities do nothing. They're happy to call other protests insurrections and declare them illegal and unlawful and un-American and all that. But when it comes to something like this, how should we react to the fact that authorities simply allow the general public to be abused by these pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas, pro-terrorism protesters on American freeways? Well, with respect to what
6: the police are doing, I, I agree that it's completely outrageous and it, it's outrageous for more than one reason because by the fact that they let this protest sit for five hours, that means if some other left-wing group wants to come onto the highway, uh, and uh, block the highway and, and the police try to break them up rather than let them voluntarily sit or, 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 uh, arrest them. Then those protesters can say, oh, you're, you're discriminating against us. You let the Palestinian protesters, uh, block the highway for five hours, but you arrested us. And that could be a left-wing protest. That could be a right-wing protest, but they will then have a lawsuit against, uh, the city for, uh, for the disparate treatment uh and and argue that 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 they were being punished for their first amendment views that if they had different first amendment views and and were blocking the freeway uh that they, they 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 would be allowed to sit there and so it, it it's worse than the outrage that we 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 have because of of the long term effects that it's going to have and that 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 needs to be a political solution that we as, as voters, you need to get rid of the people who are, are letting things
0: like that happen. Um, And your organization, Ms. Frank, I I just I'm watching the clock and I want to make sure we get a lot of things in. You made an appeal and you said if you were trapped on I-5 because of the illegal acts of the pro-Hamas protesters, you have the legal right for civil damages. Uh, I'm not ordinarily the biggest fan of lawsuits, but in this case, I think it may be our only refuge. Who are you seeking to get and who might have damages they could claim because they were jacked up on the freeway for five hours?
6: Well, there, there's a tort known as uh, uh, of, of, uh, I, I'm sorry, the names are passing me by now, but uh, it, it, confinement is an intentional tort and uh, impermissible. And being trapped on the highway for several hours because of somebody's illegal act gives you the right to sue those people and the organizations aiding and abetting and supporting them uh if, in, in the conspiracy to block the highway. And we believe that there are some left-wing organizations that are behind these protests that are supporting them, and we hope to be able to sue them and get an injunction against them doing this in the future. And uh damages for the the people who uh were were trapped for hours uh and that would be brought as a class action but uh we would need people to come forward and and be willing to be the face of the class action
0: and 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 risk being a target for these left-wing groups Ms. frank if people are hearing this and they say i was trapped in that how do they get a hold of you what's the best way to reach uh, hamilton lincoln uh, law institute
6: uh, well, I can be reached on Twitter at, at Ted Frank, or they can email me at ted.frank at hlli.org.
0: All right. Let me ask you this, because I've had litigation attorneys tell me over the years, one of the one of the key purposes is to get justice for the person harmed. But it's also to correct the bad behavior of whatever institution has allowed this kind of thing to happen, whether it's a hospital or a university or whatever it happens to be. In this case, would that class action suit also go against, say, the city of Seattle, the Seattle Police Department, the King County Sheriff's Department and and others who aided and abetted this? We would
6: have to investigate that and, and research whether there, there's something there. You know, certainly, um, when, uh, there, there was that autonomous region, uh, Chaz, I think it was, yep. uh, that, uh, that damaged a lot of uh, businesses in the area, those businesses did successfully sue Seattle and, and, and get a settlement um whether there's something analogous that could happen here for the failure to enforce the law uh or uh, normally there there's a lot of uh state immunity and city immunity that makes it very hard to sue the government but you know it's certainly something we would investigate
0: Well, I mean, Ms. Frank, not that I'm crazy about the idea of taxpayers having to pay those damages, but what I'd love to see is King County and Seattle and other cities that have aided and abetted the same kind of nonsense, like the city of Portland. I'd love to see them tagged, and if they had to go to court and say to the judge, okay, we'll fix this, we will no longer handle situations this way, then you get a lot of justice for a lot of people. Do you think that's even within the range of reason to go after in court?
6: Like I said, we, we we would have to investigate whether the the behavior uh, of the police actually violated the law, or uh, because what they're going to do is they're going to come in and they say we thought it would be it'd be a safety hazard to try to clear them. We didn't have enough police. Uh, they, you know, we were negotiating with them. We were trying to get them to disperse peacefully, and 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 we were just executing uh, discretion. Um, I I, I think that's wrong, I think that's suboptimal, but it it might not be illegal.
0: Well, i got to tell you, I'm one of the biggest police supporters you're ever going to find, but that's as long as they obey the law. When the police deliberately decide, based on orders from their political masters, the city council and the mayor, to simply ignore the law and allow people, hundreds or thousands of people, to be harmed by jamming up a major freeway. And thank God I haven't heard of any cases yet where an ambulance couldn't get to the hospital and somebody died, but it's certainly within the range of possibility that that kind of thing could happen when you block major freeways. I'd like to see somebody straighten out the politicians. I'd rather not wait for the... uh, the next election to fix that miss frank i appreciate the time that's ted frank senior attorney at the hamilton lincoln law institute we're gonna get your phone calls and emails at eight six six hey lars that's eight six six four three nine five two seven seven send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. coming up i want to tell you about the cost of collecting tolls. you're not gonna believe how big it is and you're listening to the radio northwest Hey, I'm With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you're in an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all the capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
3: Broadcasting the sound of freedom, here's Lars Larson.
7: That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense.
8: right, you're bloody well right, you know you got a right.
3: This is the Northwest Nonsense. How
9: much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense?
3: That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias.
0: If you don't already hate the idea of tolling freeways, some outrageous new information might just have you driving right off the road about now. Telling commuters that they have to pay a toll to drive on roads they've already paid for is bad. Well, ODOT, the state agency in Oregon, the one with the $3 billion annual budget that hasn't built a new freeway in decades, has in mind to charge tolls high enough that it actually sidelines some drivers, pushes them right off the road. Well, now Dan Lacey at Oregon Tolling Updates has discovered what it costs or what they think it's going to cost to collect $1 in freeway tolls. And the answer is 85 cents. You heard that right. ODOT will collect one dollar and ODOT will get 15 cents in revenue, ostensibly for transportation. The other 85 cents is the money needed to collect that one dollar. That's right, ODOT plans to strip literally tens of millions of dollars out of your pockets with the aim of curing congestion by economically driving the poor right into the ditch. Estimates say a commute from Wilsonville to Vancouver under this tolling scheme could cost $15. Now imagine doing that on a daily basis and taking that right out of your take-home pay. But the cost of collecting those tolls, even using cameras and computers, will be 85 cents of every single dollar now in the puget sound region they've got lots of tolling already they only charge about 30 cents for every dollar but even that i think is too much that's why odot only expects to net tens of millions of dollars a year adding less than one percent to its annual budget but adding to your household budget dramatically and it's going to keep a lot of citizens off the road which is the aim of the odot tolls they're not so much worried about the money they want to do what they call congestion tolling, and that is if the freeways are too congested, make them too expensive for poor people to drive on, and then the rich will be able to drive down the freeway without dealing with all that congestion. And you laughed when I told you decades ago that Greenies are waging a war on the car. By the way, glad to have you with me on a Monday. Glad to have you listening on the Radio Northwest Network. Uh, before we get to the, the grill, let me give you today's uh, X poll Should Joe Biden fire his defense secretary for keeping a serious hospital stay secret from his boss? The Pentagon withheld disclosing that defense secretary Lloyd Austin had been in the hospital in intensive care for days. Now, did he know that he was going to be there? Well, he knew when he went into the hospital on December 22nd for elective surgery that he was going to be gone. And then he came back. Uh, And then on January 1st, he was apparently in incredible pain. So I don't blame him for going to the hospital. He spent four days in the ICU. And yet, apparently, nobody at the Pentagon thought it was important to let Joe Biden or Joe Biden's staff know what was going on. So Lloyd Austin's duties as defense secretary were handed off to the deputy secretary of defense, except she was on vacation in Puerto Rico. And they're not even saying what the surgery was that went so wrong on December 22nd that about a week later, the defense secretary was in intensive care and he stayed there for days. So should Joe Biden fire his defense secretary for keeping a serious hospital stay secret from his boss? I'd answer that. Yes. But then again, I think almost everybody in the Biden administration ought to be fired for incompetence and misdeeds and everything else. You can find today's X-Bowl at Lars Larson Show on X. You can also find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Now, on First Amendment Friday, I told you the story of a dad whose daughter came home from a date. She'd been beaten up badly. He went and found the young man who had beaten his daughter, allegedly, uh, and he shot him. And then the dad got shot by one of the beater's buddies. So then they put the dad on trial. And I ask you, would you convict that dad for shooting the man? He didn't kill him, but he shot him, who beat his daughter. of you agreed with me and said no to that question. Only 7% of you said yes. Glad to get your calls. And this is the best conversation in talk journalism at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Naysayers go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our Twitter poll or X poll if you would. Now, our question of the day. Should states that already make millions or hundreds of millions of dollars from booze come out against any amount of drinking? The Oregon Health Authority has put out a brand new public service announcement. You've seen PSAs on television. You hear them on the radio as well. And their PSA campaign says rethink the drink. It shows a man grocery shopping with his young daughter. And as he picks up a bottle of wine, his daughter tells him, that's not good for you. Now, Dad isn't intoxicated at that point. He's just picking up a bottle of wine, presumably to go with dinner or some other moderate drinking. Well, the Oregon Beverage Alliance sent a letter to the Oregon Health Authority and Governor Tina Kotek saying the ad is wasteful and offensive. I would agree with them. I got no dog in the fight. I prefer to prefer, I, I actually prefer the brown Irish wine to any of the stuff that's red or white. But the fact is the Northwest has a very healthy winery business. And the states make a lot of money on that booze. And then when one agency of the state is promoting making of of, uh, wine and beer and spirits, and another agency is telling you, no, all that stuff is unhealthy for you, I'd love to have a naysayer tell me why that makes sense.
3: And now today's Daily Grill. Insane ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb.
2: You're even dumber than I thought.
3: Who deserves today's large Grill of the Day? Maybe
9: they're
2: just really, really stupid.
3: Find out right now. I want to give today's Daily Grill to the
0: burgeoning bucks that are being demanded for a new bridge over the Columbia River. I hinted this to you last week that they were saying the price is likely to go up. Now we get an idea of what it is. Economist Joe Courtright at City Observatory says there have been massive increases in the The estimated cost of the interstate bridge replacement over the Columbia River on Interstate 5, the boondoggle bridge used to justify a light rail line that citizens don't even want, 13 months after they last raised the price of the bridge by more than 50%, the state's DOTs, both Oregon and Washington, say it's going to cost even more than that. And Courtright puts it this way. We estimate project costs are likely to increase 20% or more. That would drive the price tag to as much as $9 billion, about double the estimate just four years ago. Now, ODOT, the DOTs, are blaming inflation, and yet their own cost estimate said inflation was estimated to cost about 3.5% a year uh, for the rest of the decade. It has now gone up 50% and then another 20% on top of that. It is a gigantic increase in a price tag, and I'd say we can't afford it. Mike writes in with today's best email, but you can always send more. Lars, I didn't get jabbed. I won't get jabbed, but I will use certain therapeutics to get better. I'm 62. I tested positive a few days ago for COVID-19 using a home test kit my wife wanted me to use. I personally didn't think it mattered, but I suppose I was curious. I got Delta COVID two years ago. It was like a train hitting me. I put my wife in the hospital for a few days until monoclonal antibodies did their job. He says, uh, I'm just not going to do it, not taking the tax, uh, not taking the vax. Sign Mike. Back in just a moment. Glad to be with you on a Monday. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network.
3: The Lars Larson Show. Be courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Be honest. You're listening because you like what you hear. Right Lars Larson.
0: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Well, I knew this was going to be an interesting story when I saw that WinCo, and occasionally Tina and I shop for groceries at WinCo, they're going to have to pay $3.6 million to settle a class action lawsuit because of the city of Portland and its crazy clean energy surcharge. And the attorney who won that victory, I looked at the name, and I thought, we know Michael Fuller, the underdog lawyer, and he joins me now. It's been too long, Michael. Welcome back. Hey, happy new year. There's a part of this that that I disagree with, though, and and I want you to tell my audience how it is that thousands of customers were misled by the way that WinCode displayed that clean energy surcharge on the receipt they got for their groceries and uh, and how this fixes it. And then I want to ask you a couple of questions, but I'll I'll tell you up front. uh, I want this stuff to be transparent to the public, and I'm worried that winning this is going to make it invisible to the public.
9: Sure, Uh, fair point. So when you buy something in Oregon, whether it's a car or a banana, Oregon law requires it to be advertised for the price that you are charged. And in this case, customers came to us complaining that WinCo would advertise, say, a pack of batteries for a dollar, but after they got rang up and looked at their receipt, it had actually charged them a dollar or one. And so we put WinCo on notice that it was an unlawful practice. They did not change the practice at least right away. We filed a lawsuit four years of litigation later, and now they've reached a settlement, which I think is fair. It'll provide up to $200 cash to each uh, local WinCo customer. It'll cover all the costs of administration. It'll of course cover my hefty lawyer's fee. And most importantly, the practice is put to an end. They can okay. still list the amount of the product price that had to go up, if any, due to this clean energy surcharge, but they have to match the price on the receipt to the price on the shelf, that's
0: it. Okay, because I, I I looked at this, and I understand, I want people to be told the truth, too. If I think I'm buying something for $10 and it's actually $20, I understand that. But I also understand that how do you end up adding that? So a couple of the items on the receipt that you gave is an example of somebody who had been deceived. She had $0.10 cents added to her entire grocery bill, I think if I remember correctly, and it was like a $100 grocery bill. The the non-grocery items are the ones that are subject to this clean energy surcharge of 1%. But she had an item on there that was $0.65. How do you accurately add 1% to the cost of a $0.65 item? Uh, Unless you just aggregate all the different non-grocery items together and then add 1% to that, how do you reflect that on the store shelves? Would it say $0.65? 65
9: You just round up, and that's what they do for any other costs, any other cost that they have to absorb into the price. You round up or you round down.
0: So in other words, it'll simply charge more for the item, but it'll be honest because the person will buy an item for 66 cents, of which two-thirds of a penny is going to this crazy clean energy surcharge.
9: Well the money from the the money from the sale doesn't actually go to the surcharge. We don't generally have sales tax in Oregon, you know that certain items huh, are, but in not. Theory, grocery theory, right, until they
0: got the cash, yeah, right, Michael. But,
9: and certain items are taxed. But grocery and including non grocery items at Winco are not taxed. It's a tax on the retailer. But everybody understands when you raise taxes sometimes that increases the cost. But it's not actually representing the percentage of that sale that would go to this to the city. Because it's actually taxed on the corporation, not on the item. Or okay,
0: the and, and since it's on the corporation, isn't just saying this is the t- the clean energy surcharge at the end of your bill? Isn't that accurate enough? Because you, you know, then I guess it's up to the consumer to understand that the city of Portland has decided to that it wants to you know soak people for some money, and so they've decided to add a one percent charge to all non grocery items, and they're charging the corporation is there a way for the corporation just to say that on the receipt to say city of portland is charging us an extra 10 cents for your grocery for your non-grocery purchases uh because their clean energy surcharge
9: yeah absolutely they could uh but you have to do it before the transaction that's the thing it's just like buying a car if they tell you afterwards hey we we have a bunch of Dealer taxes and licensing fees, and so the price that we told you it cost, well, we charged more on your card, or well, we took more out of the cash you gave us, and we tell you that afterwards, that's false advertising. But sure, if they said it at the outset, uh, they're well within their rights to do that.
0: How about a sign over every entry to the grocery store at Winco, and I guess others have had to do the same, other uh, companies, I think Walmart. Has already had to settle up on this. They put a big sign over the door saying, "The city of Portland is charging a one percent fee on everything you buy in this store that's not a banana. That's not not something you can eat."
9: Absolutely, that would be um, a fair way to do it. And consumers should know they should know the effect that taxes have on the cost of goods. So we would have no issue with that. And actually, this whole thing came about because I went and bought. Uh, a bottle of wine i I don't drink wine myself but i was going to a house party back in like 2019 and i bought the bottle of wine and i make decent money as a lawyer now but i still look at the receipt very closely and the prices on the shelf and i checked out and it cost more than they said it did so i walked back looked at the sticker price and sure enough i got overcharged by a couple of cents and i took it up to the counter and asked the managers is it a safe way and they told me oh the city of portland is taxing these items now and i said well I'm going to look into it, because I don't know that Oregon has a sales tax on these types of consumer goods. And that's kind of what led to it. So, yeah, I, I think they're well within the right to explain to, to customers how taxes affect the cost that they pay. It just has to be an accurate cost, and it wasn't I'm, in this case.
0: I'm talking to Michael Fuller, who's the underdog lawyer. We've talked to him before about a lot of other cases. Usually I end up agreeing with him, but in this case... It sounds like the quickest, cleanest way for all these companies to comply with it is just hide the tax and the cost of the products and not tell the customers much of anything.
9: Probably what happens, like a lot of, I mean, we did research, of course, before we filed these two cases against Safeway and Winco, and they were the only two large retailers doing it. And we learned that they had actually gone out and done research themselves, and they knew that they were the only two doing it. Costco didn't do it. Lowe's didn't do it. Home Depot didn't do it. But they did, and that's fine. Um, But it was unlawful the way they did it. I can totally understand that a large corporation would be frustrated doing business in Portland with yet another tax, but the tax is on the corporation and it was passed unanimously by the voters. And so, you know, that's another cost of doing business, just like executive compensation, just like increased fuel prices. And sometimes those result in higher prices, but you just need to be upfront with the customer about what something's going to cost. And the reason this came on our radar, in addition to me seeing it at Safeway, it was, you know, it was really people who were price conscious shopping at Winco who actually brought it to our attention after the oregonian article ran we've gotten over four hundred inquiries from customers and not a lot but at least a few of them said hey i brought this issue up to the checker or i came back and brought it to the manager and they just told me that's a city tax
0: well i've got an idea for you is it legal for the city to effectively impose a sales tax in oregon
9: that i don't know uh... you you know me i spend my time representing uh... (laughs) People, buy, you know, shoppers and people who have student loans. So I don't know much about the right of corporations to be free from
0: No, no, but, taxes. but, uh, but was... I'm saying that every time Oregonians have been asked to vote on a sales tax, just like in Washington, Washingtonians vote down income taxes and get them anyway. Oregonians vote down sales taxes and get them anyway. And usually the government wants to be sneaky about them. So they'll say the cat tax really isn't a sales tax, even though it's generated by the sale of, of big-ticket items, typically. And so I I just wondered if there would be a way to go to to bat for all the people in the state of Oregon and say, look, you're charging what amounts to a sales tax. And Oregonians have said no nine different times at the polls to a sales tax. Knock it off. You know, it's interesting.
9: I don't see why the voters of Oregon couldn't say individual cities cannot charge taxes based on the sales of goods or based on the amount of volume of sales. I don't see why that's not something that can be done by initiative or by the legislature.
0: Michael, you want to mention how people can reach you? Where's your website? yeah uh, anyone it has to be you have to be a
9: local winco shopper um so any family uh around the three portland winco stores you can go to com, and all you have to do is just give us your email we don't actually touch the money the court will appoint a uh, claims administrator and they will verify the claims and we structured it so that hopefully every single family who got overcharged will submit the claim
4: there you go
0: Are you worried? I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.
3: Simply by listening, you're proving how smart you really are. Lars thanks you. Welcome back to
0: the Lawrence Larson Show on a Monday. Uh, I wanted to talk about what happened with that Alaska Airlines plane that lost part of its fuselage last week. Now, they've been saying a door plug. Let me explain to you what a door plug is. And I'm not an aviation engineer, but over the weekend... I looked up what this is, what this involves. On some of those 737 MAX 9s, they can carry as many as, I think it's 199 passengers. But because Alaska was only using them to carry 171 passengers, there were places in the body of the airplane where you could have had an emergency exit door that would have been required if you had the larger number of passengers. Since they don't plan to carry the larger number of passengers, and since the emergency exit doors are very heavy pieces of equipment, they put in place what's known as a door plug. They just plug the hole, and from the outside, you can see the outline of where the door would have been, but is plugged in the hole. Well... This thing apparently blew out at about 16,000 feet. In fact, we're going to talk to my one of my favorite uh, former airline pilots a little bit later on today. But it blew out at about 16,000 feet. It had taken off. It was able to make a safe return to Portland. But it was obviously harrowing and quite scaring, scary for the people on board. 171 passengers, six crew members. And uh, the thing just blew out. Now, one of the things that's come up since that happened last week is that They've determined that this airplane had already been ordered not to fly over long flights over water. It was restricted to land. Why? Because they had a sensor that, a low pressure sensor that kept going off. And who knows? I don't know if it was related to the door plug, if it was leaking or what. But the very fact that Alaska, had, and I like Alaska Airlines, but the fact that they had taken the, the precaution of saying no long flights over water, only fly over dry land, because then your, your diverts or your alternative airports are a lot closer than, say, if you're on your way to Alaska or some or to uh, Hawaii or some, some other place. In this case, uh, they had the warning lights, three warning lights on that airplane, and then the flight loses a door plug at 16,000 feet and puts lives at risk And it makes you wonder, how many more of these 737 MAX 9s? Now, I've had some people say, well, it's just not safe to fly. Literally, there are tens of thousands of commercial flights every single day in America, and they fly safely and securely, and then you have an incident like this, And, of course, it comes to their attention. But it makes me wonder why Alaska didn't sooner ground that airplane until they determined why the warning lights were coming on about low pressure. In any case, glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our X poll. That's the former Twitter uh, that's now X. And our X poll question today should joe biden fire his defense secretary for ending up in the hospital for a long stay four days in intensive care and never gave word to the boss the commander-in-chief joe biden i would say yeah, lloyd austin deserves to be fired for that he'd actually gone first to the hospital for elective surgery three days before christmas uh, by the first of january he was apparently in incredible pain went back to the hospital they put him in icu for four days he, his duties were assumed then by his deputy, who happened to be on vacation in Puerto Rico and wasn't even in uh, the continental United States, but she was in charge of the Pentagon. And guess who didn't know about it? That would be Joe Biden, which brings me to a speech that Joe Biden gave today. And I, I have to tell you something. I don't particularly like Joe Biden, period, because I think he's kind of a pervert. Uh, he he perves on children and women and things like that. But this guy is one of the longest-lasting, most successful liars in the world. I mean, he constantly lies about things. Now, you remember when Donald Trump was in office, the mainstream media couldn't get enough of calling out the lies of Donald Trump. And usually, it was about matters of opinion. So Joe Biden shows up. He gave a campaign speech on Friday. He gave another one today in Charleston. And he showed up at the Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, And standing there at the podium, he gave another of these speeches in which he basically condemns anybody who doesn't agree with him. And he accuses the other side of trying to take away your voting rights, while his allies have been trying to throw Donald Trump off the ballot. Now, who's taking away your voting rights if they're literally taking one of the most popular political candidates in American history off the ballot altogether? Because that's the only way Joe Biden and his friends think that he can win. So he shows up at the Mother Emanuel AMA Church in Charleston, and he stands up and makes a claim that he's made before. He says that he was raised in a black church in Wilmington, Delaware. That appears to be just a bald-faced lie by Joe Biden. And he's been telling that same lie over and over and over again for decades. And then he says that he, quote, this is what he said today, he said he started a civil rights movement at this black church in Wilmington, Delaware. Well, he was lying. He said, I've spent more time in the Bethel AME Church in Wilmington, Delaware, than most people know, black or white, have spent in that church because that's where I started a civil rights movement. Well, the problem is, is that people who have been going to that church, Bethel AME Church in Wilmington, Delaware, for decades, have no recollection of Joe Biden attending the church as a child. Now, I'll remind you. His history was he went to high school, he went to college in the late 60s, he became a U.S. senator in the early 70s. That's when he started stealing classified documents without permission and everything else. But they don't remember him. Now, I would ask you. If somebody had gone to your church as a teenager and after a few years, he became a U.S. senator and then later vice president, do you suppose you might have a pretty good recollection of that? Nobody at that church in Wilmington, Delaware, that black church in Delaware, can even remember Joe Biden ever attending. That um, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to IRAadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at IRAadvantage.com.
3: So, in exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Right now, right. Lars. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly, provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now.
4: Kick the Biden crime family out of the White House.
3: Here's your host.
4: Almost lost my wife, my '67 Corvette, and my cat.
0: Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Imagine having 2.7 billion dollars taken out of the pockets of citizens, so a state government agency can score three hundred and sixty nine million dollars. And if you say, Lars, that's a worse ratio than for most government programs. Two point seven billion charged to the public so the state can raise three hundred and sixty nine, you know, almost three billion charged to be able to score about a third of a billion dollars for a project. Does that make any sense? Well, apparently ODOT thinks it does. I thought we'd talk about it with John Lee, who's one of our great sources, retired airline pilot, now reporter at Clark County Today. John, welcome back to the program.
5: Hey, Lars. Only a government bureaucrat would think it's okay to use a credit card that charges you 85% of
0: revenues to pay for something. <laughs> It's you know, absolutely I, ludicrous. I know people who run businesses who won't take uh, the American Express card because it charges, I think, a 3% or a 4% take. But in this case, ODOT is apparently, will you describe to people how it is the tolling scheme that ODOT has come up with, that the public seems to hate, and yet state government seems intent on doing it anyway, is going to take $2.7 billion out of people's pockets so that ODOT can clear $369 million. How does that happen?
5: Lars, it's amazing, and that number is the low end of four different options that ODOT is considering, and all of this was revealed by the Westland mayor, Rory Violotoski, on Saturday. There was an ODOT transportation, or I'm sorry, an Oregon legislative transportation subcommittee that had a public hearing in Gladstone on Saturday. The Westland mayor revealed all of this. And he pointed out that your first six trips paying tolls on the I 205 Abernathy Bridge would pay for the cost of collection and consultant fees. Only on your seventh trip would your toll money go towards paying the cost of the bridge. What an outrageous
0: waste of the people's money! By the way, John, I, just for comparison purposes, because I think it's not only an outra- i think it's outrageous that they ch- they want to charge people rent for driving on a freeway that the people already own, that they've already paid for with their other taxes. That's crazy enough. But then this 85% stuff is even crazier. And I shared that with some of my friends, John Carlson and his producer up in Seattle this morning. There are our uh, Seattle affiliate, KVI. And John checked, At least WashDOT says they only, and I think it's still too much, only uh, cost 30% to collect tolls in Washington State. Is there any reason that ODOT has given that makes sense as to why it should cost $0.85 to collect a dollar?
5: Absolutely none, and they chalk it up, number one, to their inexperience. ODOT has no experience collecting tolls. So they're listening to all the consultants that they pay outrageous money to. And number two, they are using the excuse that this is what the legislature wants, Sogwash, And that's where the people need to speak up. There's a wonderful organization called Oling, Oregon Tolling Updates that interviewed the mayor that revealed this over the weekend. And Oregon citizens are currently discussing and collecting signatures on ip4 to get a guaranteed right to vote before tolling is put on any highways um... it's a great opportunity for the people to step up and tell the legislature and OTAT, heck no
0: well and john one of the things i always hear government say well it's the first time we've ever done it hold on a second They didn't think about maybe putting a couple of their people in a car and drive up to Seattle and say, you folks collect tolls. How much do you pay to collect a dollar? And they would tell you, according to the numbers I got from John and his producer, uh, Phil uh they'd say, well, we we usually figure it's 30 percent of the toll goes to pay for the cost of collecting the toll. Well, how do you do that? I mean, why do they need a bunch of expensive consultants when they can, I mean, this is what we used to do in TV and we do it in radio as well. If you're going to do a new kind of studio, you call up somebody who's already got one and say, how does this work? How did you put it together? What is it going to cost? And how, and wh- how would you have done it differently? It's, it's not rocket science, is it? Well, apparently to the
5: folks in ODOT it is. A different aspect of this entire discussion is that during the pandemic lockdowns, thank you, Jay Inslee and Kate Brown, Yep. the toll revenues that Washdot got from their five different tolling systems fell off a cliff, and they actually had to go to the state legislature and get a bailout using general fund revenues in order to pay off the cost of all the borrowed money Washdot has. So I suspect that 35% cost of collection that Washdot was quoting excludes all that bailout money that they got from the legislature over
0: the last couple of years of the pandemic. And and that's a very good point. Well, because, because John can you see the same kind of thing happening to Oregon? Because they're not saying we want to collect all these tolls, and then as we collect them, we'll spend them on projects. You know what they're going to do. They're going to say, we've got this stream of revenue coming in that we've estimated generously at $369 million, so now we'll go out and borrow against that stream of income. The problem is... Like you point out, if the stream falters and it doesn't produce what they estimated it would produce, then they're going to come back and say, gosh, we've already borrowed all this money based on a stream of revenue that's not there. Now we need the money from some other pot.
5: Exactly right. In fact, ODOT is rushing to get this implemented so that they can go borrow the money. Once they borrowed the money, then they sit there and say, hey, we got to pay this off somehow, And so the whole point is to stop them from borrowing the money to begin with. A separate perspective on this is the gas tax. It has less than a one percent cost of collection. During citizen comments to that committee, it was pointed out that a mere two cent increase in the gas tax for 10 years would raise more money than three of the four scenarios ODOT was
0: considering. And, and by the way, from the stamp- uh, John. By the way, I, say- I, want you to, I want you to tell people how much is is an, is an expected trip the tolling cost of a trip going to cost somebody who's on these highways.
5: Well, <laughs> if you can believe ODOT, and of course the short answer is never do that. They're saying just for crossing the Abernathy Bridge, it could be from a low of a buck eighty to a high of $5.60 for a one-way trip. But in their bigger scheme, they want to charge people to drive all of I-5 or I-205. And in the past, it's been revealed by economist Joe Cortright, as you noted earlier, that it could cost you 15 bucks for a one-way trip between Vancouver, Washington, and Wilsonville, Oregon. What an outrageous waste of the people's money that clearly the average hard-working citizen can't afford.
0: And not just outrageous, John, but prohibitive. Meaning, if somebody works a job and has to drive from Wilsonville to Vancouver, if they had to drive that whole route, and you say to your boss, boss, I'm paying $30 a day in tolls plus the cost of Joe Biden's expensive gasoline, I can't afford to work for you anymore, and that just, uh, and and it's going to get slapped down on customers who have deliveries and everything else. As John Lee. You can find his stories at Clark County Reporter, and we're always glad to have him on the show. Coming up in a moment, Joe Biden and his big political speeches and the crazy things he's saying about his fellow Americans. Well, with, the, with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
10: Well,
1: Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is
0: it complicated?
1: It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 Exchanges? Then go to 1031Exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
3: Just think of him as your concealed carry. This is The Lars Larson Show.
11: The
4: same movement that throughout the mob, the United States capital isn't just trying to rewrite history, January 6th. They're trying to determine to erase history.
0: That is Joe Biden in a speech earlier today. Now, Biden went on a frightening tear in a speech on Friday. And he did it again today by painting about half of all Americans as enemies of the state. I wanted to spend a little bit of time on that. If you want to jump into the best conversation in talk journalism, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. If you want to call in, it's 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at larslarson dot com and if you're a naysayer we're going to put you right to the head of the line. You want to vote in our Twitter poll or X poll, you can find that certainly, and that question has to do with the defense Secretary of the United States who went just a little bit a wall. He was gone, he was in intensive care in a hospital because of some surgery that he had December the 22nd. We still don't know why Lloyd Austin had that elective surgery. It was not emergency surgery, it was scheduled. And then he went back to the hospital on the 1st of January but nobody at the Pentagon thought it was important to let the commander-in-chief, Joe Biden, I know he's not really calling the shots, it's really Obama, uh, but it's not Biden. But Biden wasn't even told that his own defense secretary had been in the hospital out of, uh, basically out of, the, out of the picture, out of the loop, until last Thursday. That's when Joe Biden, days later, finds out that Lloyd Austin is in the hospital, the defense secretary of the United States, And that his deputy secretary, who had been assigned Lloyd Austin's duties in the interim, was actually on vacation in Puerto Rico while Lloyd Austin was in intensive care. And they also haven't explained to the public, well, exactly what was wrong with him and how close to the mark was he coming. I mean, if you go in for surgery uh, three days before Christmas, and then about a week later, you're forced to go back to the hospital and they decide to put you in intensive care for four days, it makes you wonder, Is there something seriously wrong with America's defense secretary and who was actually minding the store while he was in intensive care and his deputy, a young lady, Ms. Hicks, was down in Puerto Rico on vacation and supposedly she was the acting defense secretary at that point. If anybody knows the answer to that, I would love to know what it is. In any case, you can find the X-Poll at Lars Larson Show and on our website at LarsLarson.com. But let me get back to these crazy speeches. Joe Biden came out on Friday. And what he said in a speech, among other things, because he said a lot of things, was he effectively condemned Americans who don't agree with the Democrat Party and don't agree with what Joe Biden has been doing in this country. You know that this... this, uh, a country has a president right now who has amazingly low approval ratings. They fell into the 30s. It's one of the lowest points in the Biden administration and now Joe Biden is, at least in theory, running for re and he's out on the stump now, except he doesn't have much to brag about. He can't brag about the economy. He can't brag about gas prices. He can't brag about the tens of billions of dollars that he sent off to corrupt Ukraine, where crime family made so much money he can't brag about any of that he can't brag about the exit from afghanistan leaving americans behind despite a promise not to he can't brag about any of that in fact i rack my brain at times because i find the best way to deconstruct somebody else's argument in favor of something is to imagine myself trying to support joe biden if i sat down and said i got to figure out what are the positives of the biden administration a bunch of people appointed as judges who can't tell you what a woman is or what a man is. An administration that's driven America to a, from a $1 trillion deficit every year, which is bad enough, to a $2 trillion deficit. Amazing amounts of crazy spending. And then Joe Biden, who doesn't seem to be even tuned in to what's actually going on in the world. He thinks the economy is going great. So let's start first with this, where he speaks to the issue of Gaza and the fact that there are protesters all over this country right now who are shutting down freeways, who are shutting down major tunnels in and out of New York City, who are going out and literally taking their case out, not just to the people, but they're getting in the face of the people and saying, we're not going to let you drive down this road unless you listen to what we have to say. So what does Joe Biden say about that?
4: I understand their passion. And I've been quietly working. I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out of Gaza. I'm
0: using all that I can to do that. Now, did you hear the interruptions in the background of that soundbite? That was pro-Hamas, pro-terrorism, pro-Palestinian protesters who are literally interrupting Joe Biden's speech. Now, does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. Unless you consider that America's political left, the ones who favor terrorism by the, uh, the, the terrorists of Hamas, they've decided that if you won't listen to them, they will force you to listen to them. And then what Joe Biden just said, I'm doing everything I can to get Israel to get out of Gaza. They're in Gaza to destroy a terrorist organization. And the Democrats have kind of walked themselves into a corner. And here's why they're in a corner, because they want to stand up and say, we support the Palestinians. And then a Palestinian terrorist organization slaughters more than a thousand people on the 7th of October. And all of a sudden, it's the Democrats who are saying, yeah, terrorism, we're in favor of it. And it's an untenable argument. And then when Israel tries to do what the United States has done when terrorists have attacked us, you go after the terrorists, you hunt them down, and you kill them if you have to. You wipe out Hamas. And now Joe Biden is promising to tell Israel, stop hunting the terrorists. Doesn't make any sense at all. And then... Then Joe Joe Biden tried to link somehow America's MAGA movement, and I consider myself part of the Make America Great Again movement, and that's Donald Trump. But Joe Biden is trying to say that if you're in favor of making America great again, then you are basically taking the side of the South in America's Civil War. Listen to this. After the Civil War, the defeated
4: Confederates couldn't accept the verdict of the war. They had lost. So they say they embrace what's known as the lost cause. A self-serving lie that the Civil War is not about slavery, but about states' rights. They called that the noble cause. That was a lie. A lie that had not just a lie, but terrible consequences.
0: It brought on Jim Crow. Yeah, maybe Joe Biden is forgetting the part where the people who backed the South in the Civil War were today's Democrats? It was Democrats back in the day. It is Democrats today. And if you say, "But Joe Biden's not a racist. He's not a segregationist." Oh, yes, he is, and I can prove it with his own sound bites. In fact, his own vice president criticized him as being a thoroughgoing racist uh, when she was running against him before she got the second-in-command job of vice president. And then there's this, where Joe Biden indicts the entire MAGA movement because of this list of uh, particulars. Take a listen.
4: Banning books, denying your right to vote and have it counted, destroying diversity, equality, inclusion all across America, harboring hate and replacing hope with anger and resentment and dangerous view of America. a narrow view of America, zero sum view of America that says, if you win, I lose. If you succeed, it must be I fail. If you get ahead, I fall behind. And maybe worst of all, if I hold you down, I lift myself up.
0: Joe Biden, the guy whose allies are trying to have Donald Trump removed from the ballot, he says it's Republicans taking away your right to vote?
3: The Lars Larson Show. Saying the things you wish you could say. With welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure
0: to be with you, and I guess you realize just how fast we're sliding down that slope in the direction of socialism when the government starts to talk about ways to nationalize, that is, take possession of, both inventions and patents. And if you think I'm overstepping that or overdescribing that, Joe Allen joins me now, who's executive director of the Buy dole Coalition. Mr. Allen, welcome back. Mars, thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you. All right. Well, just to prove I'm not a liar to my audience, what is it that the White House... Well, well, I mean, look, they are going to be... I know there are people out there who say every word he says is a lie. Okay. I'm saying they're trying to nationalize inventions and patents, and the White House is proud of it. They're bragging about it. So
7: tell me what they're doing. Well, basically, we have a law that was put in place in 1980, which has made the U.S. the the international leader in, in innovation. And basically, it allows universities and small companies to make inventions to government funding to turn them into commercial products. And that's great. Uh, when we passed the law, we also said if if somebody's not trying to commercialize a product, the government can then what's called march in and force the university to license somebody else to make sure it's being made into a product. What's happened is, for some reason, the Biden administration is now claiming that that law allows the government to march in and license a copier if, if someone doesn't like the price of a product. And... Well, that may sound r- rational; and it, it doesn't to me, but it may to somebody. The problem with that is our, our our system is driven by small companies, and any large competitor or foreign competitor can now use, use what the Obama, what the Biden administration is proposing, to basically say, "Hey, we can make what Lars what Lars came up with and took him 10 years and a million dollars to create. We can make it cheaper than he can. Therefore, the government should license us and let us copy it because that's going to be good for the public." And the problem is it just knocks the prop out from U.S. innovation. It, it, it would be a, a boon to China, to China because this is something you can you now use to beat down entrepreneurs. And, again, a copier can always make things cheaper, but um, we're the people that lead the world in innovation. So it, it turns our whole system upside down and, and really doesn't do any particular public good.
0: Well, and, in fact, I mean, let's say I came up with a physical invention, you know, a device of some kind. And China marches in and says, hey, with our environmental rules or lack thereof, with our labor costs or lack thereof, with our environmental regulations and all these things that we don't have that the United States has in spades, we can make that that device that Lars has created, uh, you know, and we can make it a whole lot cheaper and provide it to the public. So the Biden administration says, that's great. Why don't you go ahead and do it? Now, even if I'm still allowed to use my own invention or license it to somebody else, if China's making it for 5 bucks and Americans are making it for 10 bucks, we know who's going to
7: win that race. And, and it's actually even worse than that because just the, just the threat of, of me saying, you know, for example, let's, let's suppose you're a small company, which our system is driven by small companies. You have to get venture funding. So if I, if I want to harass you, I can just say, hey, I'm filing a marching petition against Lars because I don't like his price. What's going to happen is that could easily take the government a, a couple of years to decide what to do. In that time, no one is going to fund you. So this opens itself up to unscrupulous people for shakedown artists to say, hey, Lars, it would really be a shame if somebody followed that. Maybe you should make it worth my while not to do it. And it it just allows our competitors, even if these things aren't accepted, it allows our competitors now to beat down our small companies when they're most vulnerable. And again, we're beating the Chinese in innovation because of our small companies. Uh, This is being done in the name of, of controlling drug prices, and the irony is, it can't possibly do that because drugs aren't made with government-funded inventions they're made with a a, a, there might be some government-funded patents there but there's a whole series of other patents made by industry so even if you did march in against drugs you couldn't copy them because you can't get access to the privately made inventions but what you could do is if you start an environmental company or an energy company a breakthrough in battery technologies you're likely that your inventions will be federally funded, and those are mainly made by small companies. So it it puts a target on the back of anybody who's commercializing a product made with government funding.
0: I'm talking to Joe Allen, who's executive director for the Buy dole Coalition. And Joe, you mentioned batteries. About a year and a half ago, we talked to a Seattle company that had access to and had licensed or wanted to license a, a, something that had come out of a government lab. And it was battery technology. It was the, I think we called it the secret sauce at the time. It was some different, uh, you know, mixture of the kinds of things that go into a battery, the liquids that go into it that made the batteries a whole lot more efficient. And then they found out that even though it was developed in a, I think it was the Northwest Regional Labs, uh, that they, that a Chinese company or a company that ended up being sold to a Chinese company had possession of the patent, even though it had been developed by the U.S. government. And they said to the U.S. government, "Hey, let us use it. Uh, we're 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 meeting all the criteria." And as and I've never been able to get the battery company to talk again. They talked one time, and then after that, I don't know if they were worried about you know reprisals from our government. But basically, it's a Chinese company that's now selling American-made technology right back to America.
7: Well, again, that, that's, that's the worst scenario. And actually even worse than that was before Baidol, we gave all of our technologies away. So they weren't, they weren't basically, that's why we passed the law because we were, the, the other people were using our technologies that the taxpayer paid for free and we weren't commercializing them here. But the final other thing I'd like to mention to you is Congress has expressly said, I work for Birch By, who's, who is one of the authors of right. right. Congress, Congress expressly rejected price control as a mechanism of Baidol. So what's happening is the bureaucracy now is changing the law without the consent of Congress. Congress has voted this down every time. Bernie Sanders has been trying to promote this idea for years. It's always been voted down. So now you wake up one day and the bureaucracy is saying, hey, we're going to put a meaning in the law, which Birch Bayh and Bob Dole said is not there. Congress has voted down. So you're changing the law without the consent of Congress, and it's going to knock the props out of U.S. innovation just as the Chinese are openly saying that they're, they plan on running us off the road. So it, it's, it really is a disaster. It's a shame because it's not going to accomplish any of the objectives that the Biden administration said, which is lowering drug prices. But it's having a chilling effect right now because this is hanging over people. And people right now are saying, why in the world should I put my venture fund funding into somebody like Lars Larson, who's starting a new company based on a government-funded invention, or why am I going to commercialize something? Because no one can tell you what a reasonable price is. That concept is made up by the bureaucracy after you commercialize something. So who's going to be dumb enough to make a product, spend 10 years of your life, and maybe a million dollars, and if you fail, you take the hit? And if you succeed, I can come back and say, Hi, I can make this more reasonably than Lars, and some bureaucrats going to decide whether your price is reasonable, and if they think it's not, they're going to license a copier to run you off the road. No one's so, going to do that.
0: And, and they can do all that because, not because Congress passed a law, but because people within the bureaucracy said this is the way things ought to run, and they did it without the
7: benefit of the people's representatives weighing in on it? A- absolutely. And I think this is starting to get bipartisan opposition. The more people are aware of what this is, um, it, it's a disaster. It's a policy disaster. And the irony is it doesn't accomplish any public good. It's not going to help It's going to help China a lot, but it's, but it's not going to do anything for U.S. It's not going to lower drug prices, but it's going to kill innovation. And, uh, you know, we, I, I think the more people realize this is going on, that the rule is pending right now. It's actually, they made it a draft draft rule, so it's not even a regulation, but it's open for public comment until February the 6th. So it's really important that people get a hold of their members of Congress, give them a heads up, because... Congress can weigh in and say, wait a minute, we never, this is not a law. You have no authority to do this, and we need to get this thing pulled back. It needs to be pulled back right now because it's doing damage okay. to our economy right now.
0: Joe, tell me one thing. When people call their member of Congress, is there a term of art for what this rule is? It's, it's not the bidole rule. It's the bayh coalition that's fighting it. What are they calling it back on Capitol Hill?
7: It's basically, it's basically a draft framework on March-In rights, M-A-R-C-H-I-N rights. And that's that's a, a part of baidu, which allows the government to, to again intervene if it looks like somebody licensed you and you're not and you're sitting on the on the on the technology. You know, you're trying to suppress it. That's legitimate for government to say, listen, we want to get these things
0: commercialized. And they want to let Beijing Joe march in or let the Chinese march in and take American innovation. That's Joe Allen from the Buy Goals Coalition. Back in a moment, I'll get to your calls. 866-Hey Lars. Send your emails to talk at larslarson.com, and you've got the Radio Northwest. On the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
2: Exactly. There are so many more
1: options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com. View the videos and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.
3: happy, informed, and always guessing what he'll say next, here's Lars Larson.
8: She can bench press her weight, she can be your gym spotter, she can shower with guys or perhaps with your daughter, she can swim faster than all the fish in the sea. She was born as a boy, but she's not quite a woman to me. Her claims to be female, nobody's believing. Her name is Megan, but she was born Stephen. She can chug 30 beers and she stands
6: when she pees. In her heels six feet five, but she's
3: not quite a woman to me
0: back to the Lars Larson Show. That's our great parody guy, Jim Gossett. I think he hit that one on the head. Glad to have you with me on a Monday and always glad to have you join me on the Radio Northwest Network. Proudly serving the Pacific Northwest states of Oregon, Washington, and Idaho these last 24 years. And this segment of the show is brought to you by NickShivers.com for an instant offer to sell your home immediately. No showings, no hassles, and you pick the closing date. NickShivers.com for details. Let me go first to John. John, we've been talking about Toll Road today which i think are a thorough ripoff of the public but on top of that not just a ripoff but can you imagine the state of oregon is going to spend 85 cents collecting every toll dollar uh can can you wrap your head around that
10: well i, I stopped trying to wrap my head around anything the bureaucracy does <laughs> uh you know what like i told your uh, your answer guy there about twenty some years ago the Oregon State Grange jumped in with a, a concept of, of doing some limited access toll roads in Oregon because we it's a given that we need some new road construction. And the government is probably the worst possible people to deal with it today because they're all bureaucracies and, and we could spend a whole a whole hour or so just talking about bureaucracies. But the bottom line for for the Grange was this. Uh, I did, at the time we, we came up with this, I was a legislative director, and so I spearheaded the project did most of the research uh, I found out that a lot of other states were able to put in limited access uh, toll roads uh, that that did not require taxpayer money per se so that's the first important thing and second
0: John you dropped out on me are you still there
10: oh I'm sorry you yeah, said okay. second I don't know where I dropped out no second but anyway uh, when you're, are, are you are do you got me now yeah Okay, when the Oregon State Grange looked into this and and we started this project, and by the way, the Oregon Trucking Association supported us on this, but we were never able to get it on a ballot. That's a long story, but here's the bottom line for viewers or for listeners to understand. A lot of states have built limited access toll roads to solve some of their transportation needs without using taxpayer money
0: there's a lot of ways to do Cal- that California has some that I've been on New Jersey has some that I've been on well it makes sense but but they're not going to do anything that aids and abets people driving cars do you think
10: well not not the bureaucracy isn't uh, you take most states that have done this have have not worked through their 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 DOT organizations they have set up you know, the legislature set up like Pennsylvania set up its uh, Pennsylvania Toll Commission and, and other things, but but some of the innovative ways you do this, well, you know, when you use the bond market, most most uh, people, when they go into the bond market, you're looking at, at the big buyers, the banks and all this stuff. Maine, for instance, issued $1,000 bonds. Now, I'm here to tell you, uh, I'm a working guy, uh, retired from the Navy, so I ain't got a lot of money, uh, worked my way up through the ranks, retired as a civil engineer. Officer in the Navy, but I can afford to buy a couple of one thousand dollar bonds to yeah. build roads, right? And uh, and the average working guy can do that too. And so you cut the big guys out of that. Uh, West Virginia had an interesting system they came up with. I'm not sure how they actually financed it initially, but what they did was they they built their toll road there, which is now an interstate, but it started out as a a limited access two lane toll road, just like uh Kentucky did also by the way, a two lane uh limited access road. And it's John,
0: we're gonna run out of time and I want to ask you a question. All of this sure presumes ask. that the people who are running washdot and odot are actually in favor of you driving your car or me driving my car. They're not and they are so even though even though we have a great mechanism for being able to do to accomplish the task they're going to say your task is is bankrupt because it involves driving cars and we don't believe in cars and and so when you start from that basis and they say well well then what's your what's your goal i think the goal on the tolls they wouldn't care if it cost 99 cents to collect every dollar because what they really want to do is force people off the roads In this case, they happen, and what's really cockamamie, John, is this: you're going to say, "What's going to happen to the person who works an average wages job who's told your tolling cost daily might be twenty-five or thirty bucks?" And they're going to say, "Well, we'll we'll come up with a subsidy system for those lower income people, so the high income people can pay the toll, the low income people will get the subsidy, and you know who gets in the shorts is the folks in the middle.
10: That's always the case. My point is this, it's going to have to be a vote by the people. We're going to have to get it on a ballot. I'm too old and too tired. I, you know, I've did the background, I've did the research. We need to get somebody back on board like before it was the Oregon State Grange. They just weren't able to push it through. Or Don McIntyre,
0: the late Don McIntyre or this guy Haywood up in Washington State who managed to fairly quickly sponsor and get six ballot measures, all of which look like they will qualify for the ballot. Put this to a public vote, and you know what's going to happen? Average voters are going to go to the polls and say, I want to be able to drive my car, and I don't want to sit in traffic going 10 miles an hour. John, thanks for the call, and thanks for listening on KWRO. You're listening to The Lawrence Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at IRAadvantage.com.
8: Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be
3: on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show? Our beloved Republic is in the hands of Madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. and now,
4: this we're going. Kick the Biden crime family
3: out of the White House. Here's your host.
4: Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat,
3: Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lawrence
0: Wife Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I don't think there's anybody who's ever flown on a commercial airplane who hasn't looked at the sealed doors and the other parts of the bulkhead and think, I'm sitting inside of a big aluminum beer can, and what would happen if part of it just suddenly opened up? Because we've heard stories about things like that before. There was a Hawaiian Airlines flight a number of years ago where the entire top tore off, and it became kind of a flying airplane convertible for a while. The uh, brilliant pilot on that airplane managed to get it back to the field and everybody on board safe. But, this most recent incident, where federal officials are looking at the mid flight blowout of a section of the Alaska Airlines aircraft fuselage, happened on, said uh, over the weekend. They said the lost piece has now been found and that they are looking into what caused it. A number of these 737 MAX 9s are now grounded nationwide, all of them. And I'm already hearing about some of the airlines that are saying, hey, we found some of the problems. So I thought we'd talk about it with our favorite meteorologist and retired commercial airline pilot, although he still flies airplanes, and that's Chuck Weiss. Chuck, welcome
11: back. Glad to be here, Lars. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you as well. What did you think when you first heard the report that that a plane had lost not an emergency exit door, but a fuselage plug or a door plug?
11: Well, it was pretty surprising uh, because such a thing would be very rare. I mean, in fact, uh, during my entire aviation career, I've never heard uh, of a plug door or a door actually failing in that regard and then coming loose and flying off the fuselage. So it was very surprising. And uh, it's a shame that something like this had to happen with a company like Boeing. But uh, they've obviously got some problems.
8: And
0: Alaska as well. So let me ask you about this. Would you explain to my, I've done my best to explain, why is there a door plugged there instead of an emergency exit door?
11: Well, the plug is there because that's the way Alaska Airlines chose to configure that particular model of plane that they're going to use for their passengers. They didn't want the larger configuration, which would have made room to clear a row of, of uh, passenger seats there for an emergency exit row, uh, and they didn't want that. They they wanted a smaller version. So uh, when Boeing built the aircraft, then, of course, if you are going to configure it to a smaller version, they have to put a plug where otherwise there would be a... Uh, a, uh, a emergency exit door so that's why it's there but it isn't meant to serve any function at all once it's plugged. I mean it's uh... outside of maintenance maybe doing you know routine inspections on it, it would serve no other purpose.
0: Well and now United Airlines just in the last hour or so has come out with the announcement they've grounded their 737 MAX 9's and they said they've been checking them over and this sounds disturbing for me a non-pilot check They said, we found some bolts that need to be tightened. That's a little disturbing when you say you've been flying airplanes and now because of this incident, you did a closer check on your planes and you found some bolts that needed tightening.
11: Yeah, that is uh, that's very disturbing as well. I mean, uh, uh people don't think about things uh, you know, often and and the lay people that uh, that don't study this stuff or fly don't think about it that much, but if you have loose bolts on a door, especially one that uh, could open, uh, you know, anything like that in a pressurized aircraft, a lot of people don't realize it, but when you climb in altitude uh with Uh, these airplanes at the altitude the uh, the Alaska flight was at was 16,000 feet but there's about 5.2 pounds per square inch of pressure put on that door by pressurizing the cabin at that altitude. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but 5.2 pounds per square inch, if you multiply that out by the square inches in one of those plug doors, you could be looking at up to 23,000 or, or 13,000 pounds of force on that door. And if you're up at 35,000 feet, it's multiplied and increased by 10 PSI. So you'd be up closer to 24,000 or 23,000 pounds per for uh, uh, total force on the door, so if they're not, you know, totally secured with with very good bolts. There is a lot of outward pressure on anything that can be pushed out or fail like that. And the cabins are limited to about a pressure differential of 9 PSI. That's about as high as you can take the uh, cabin uh, pressure differential before uh, potentially having problems with it. But it's all monitored in the cockpit with instrumentations, and they make sure it doesn't go over that, because otherwise they have emergency relief valves that will start allowing air to go out of the cabin and lower that pressure differential. Okay, so
0: uh, let me ask you a question. So Alaska says they had limited this plane to only overland flights, so no over long stretches of water flights, because they'd had indicator lights coming on, saying they had a pressure problem somewhere. They'd had them come on three different times. Should that? Should those planes have been grounded when they they found that kind of problem before a plug blew out, uh, or or am I overthinking it?
11: Well, it it depends on what the maintenance people would have found. They may have not been looking in the right place because uh, they obviously, when there's a pressurization problem, they look at the components of the pressurization system, the bulkhead, the uh, outflow valves, the sorts of things that could cause that problem. And if you're not thinking about the door, like, well, we have no reason to be suspicious of that, but that's actually where there might have been some leaking air because the bolts weren't secured on the door. It's easy to overlook something like that. That may have been the problem, but I'm not sure. Because uh, I wasn't there, but that aircraft was certified for flight over the ocean. Uh, it was—it's called ETOPS, and those aircraft can fly over over water like that. But if Alaska made a decision not to do it, they obviously had some concerns, which we don't completely know about, uh, you know, because we're not not in the company, obviously. But they—they they were, were aware of, of some sort of problems. Whether they actually narrowed it down at that point, I don't know. It sounds like they didn't. I mean, I
0: think I'll, I, I don't know, I'll speak for myself, Chuck. I've had cars before that I said, well, I'm happy to drive it to work and back, but I'm not driving to Seattle and back because I don't trust my car that far. But if you've got an airplane where you say, man, eh, it's OK for over land, but we don't trust it over water. That sounds like an airplane that shouldn't be in the air.
11: It, it, you, it, you could you could probably look at it that way because the reason why they didn't want to take it over water is because uh, the idea behind a rapid decompression or rapid depressurization of the of the fuselage is if you're up at 35,000 feet you have to descend very rapidly because without oxygen your time of useful consciousness is only uh, 30 seconds tops so you've got to make an emergency descent with oxygen on and you got to get down to 10,000 feet or lower and if you're out in the middle of the ocean where you've got quite a ways to Go to your nearest alternate airport. Uh, you're going to burn a lot of fuel at that altitude, and that's probably why they don't want to do it. They would be short of fuel required to get to their alternate airport uh, with the ETOPS uh, configuration. So that's why they decided against that. Uh, over land, it's very easy to find a place to live or a place to uh, to land. If you had a problem like that and had to make an emergency landing, and you can certainly return to the place you departed from, or continue on to some place close by. But if you're over the ocean, you don't have that option and that's why they decided we're not going to take the chance because if something did depressurize and we had to get down to those altitudes the engines are going to be burning a lot more fuel and we could end up short of of, uh, where we uh, how much fuel we need to get to our destination and then if if you're
0: trying to get to Hawaii you you don't have a lot of divert options between the mainland of the United
11: States and Hawaii at all and that's true with that that's true with the with a lot of the uh, overseas line, too. If you go to Japan or China, you know, you're covering a lot of area there, and your options are limited if you have to go down. So, Absolutely. That's
0: Chuck Weiss, retired airline pilot and also meteorologist with Global Warming Debunker. Back in a moment. Glad to have you listening on uh, The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to IRAadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at IRAadvantage.com.
3: You know, if we keep meeting like this, people are going to talk. Here's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I'll get back to your phone calls and emails in
0: a moment, but I really want to share this with you because... There are headlines in almost all the news I see almost every single day in the last week or so, which is predictions of a triple-demic because you've got RSV and you've got the flu and you've got COVID. Now, i got to tell you something. Every time I see headlines like that, here's what I think about. The multiple times that government officials at the federal level and at the local level have told lies to the American public. They didn't exactly build our confidence in the system. And it seems that every time a politician, usually Joe Biden, wants to get some kind of advantage. You remember that two full years ago, in the fall two years ago, it was Joe Biden who came out and said, we're heading into a winter of death and uh, diminishment, you know, words to that effect. He basically was saying, we're heading into this disaster. Now, does anybody remember that uh, fall and winter? Because it Wasn't bad at all. You know, you had flu. We have flu. You have some COVID cases. You have COVID. And these days, I think an awful lot of Americans are viewing COVID either in retrospect or they've always looked at it that way, that this is just a a, a major kind of flu. Well, let me give you a sample of what uh, that's about. And then I'll give you some great evidence from Dr. Brad Spellberg. Love to talk to the guy, chief medical officer for the largest safety net hospital in L.A. County, which is Los Angeles General Medical Center. You may be a bit stunned by what he has to say, but first, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's here every single day at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line, haven't had any good naysayers yet today, but we usually get them. Somebody who disagrees with my point of view, that's okay. For more than a quarter of a century, I've always said the naysayers will go right to the head of the line. I want to hear the arguments to the contrary if somebody disagrees with me. So you can also send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our X poll. It's now the poll on X or the X poll, uh, formerly known as Twitter. Should Joe Biden fire his defense secretary for keeping a serious hospital stay secret from his boss? If you haven't heard the story already, defense secretary Lloyd Austin, who'd gone in for some elective surgery a few days before Christmas and then got apparently terribly ill around New Year's Day and went back into the hospital and was put in the intensive care unit for four days he spent a total of five days in the hospital and guess who never got informed that the defense secretary was in intensive care and that would be joe biden in the white house instead secretary lloyd austin's duties were handed off to his deputy secretary of defense um and she was on vacation in puerto rico so The fact that the White House was kept in the dark about this. Now, see, I think Joe Biden should be fired, too. But should Joe Biden at least fire his defense secretary, we could all have, you know, we could all have illnesses. We could all end up in the hospital at some point. But at the very least, if you're doing the kind of job that the Secretary of Defense and the responsibilities that the Secretary of Defense has, do you at least owe it to the American public to disclose that, to notify your boss? Heck, if I get sick, I've taken about 12 sick days and 49 years in radio. I try not to get sick. I try to keep myself healthy. And I've been very, relatively successful over the last half century. This guy is in charge of a whole lot more than some simple talk show. He's the guy in charge of America's military. And he decides that when he's in intensive care or heading off to the hospital or having surgery, and his deputy is out of the country on vacation, that does the boss need to know about that? Apparently not. You can find the Expo at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. But let me get back to what they're telling us about the predictions of a triple-demic. And I think Americans are getting sick and tired of hearing this. Here's the way TheHill.com sums it up. Cases of three major respiratory viruses, the flu, COVID-19 and RSV are surging in America. Pushing the country toward a feared triple demic during its first post pandemic respiratory viral season. Only about one fifth of US adults say they have received the newest COVID 19 shot. Notice that a lot of Americans have made the decision, and I, God bless them for making their own decision. I made my own decision. I decided I was not going to take the jab, didn't need it, and didn't, and saw some disadvantages to taking the jab. That's my point of view. Now, there was a time when people got screamed at for making that decision. I've always made it clear, it is your decision, it's my decision, it's my wife's decision whether or not to take that shot. We've chosen not to do that. The uptake for the previous bivalent shots was similarly low, and many Americans likely have not been immunized since getting their first doses back in 2020, late 2020, and early 2021. I just decided not to do it at all. I've had it once. It's no big deal. So uh, a serious case of the flu is what it is. So here's Dr. Brad Spellberg, chief medical officer of one of the largest safety net hospitals in L.A. County, L.A. General Medical Center. That means that's where an awful lot of people go who do not have as much insurance as most people do, uh, and that is the place where you drop into the safety net. Here's what Dr. Spellberg says. We are continuing to not see COVID pneumonia. We are not seeing patients getting admitted to the ICU with pneumonia. We are not seeing patients get intubated because of COVID. Now this is a guy who's part of the medical establishment. He's the medical chief medical officer for Los Angeles General Medical Center. He said there is certainly community COVID spreading. COVID is a winter virus. There are also community in the community, other viruses spreading because those respiratory viruses happen in the winter months. COVID is not going away. It is endemic. It is one of the many endemic viruses, which, in my mind, does not distinguish itself from other viruses. Frankly, I'm kind of more afraid of influenza than I'm at COVID at this point. The guy I'm quoting is Dr. Brad Spellberg at L.A. General Medical Center. And if you look at the numbers, he says, that we've seen in our hospital, they are below this year the level they were last year at the same time, and considerably so. And with milder diseases, even than we are seeing last year which was milder than the year before that which was much milder than the horrible winter of 2020 so everybody just relax now i can tell you that it, from personal experience that a couple of years ago saying that and a lot of us said that they said look it's a serious case of the flu it is a different kind of flu in covid but It's not a reason to shut the entire economy down, as so many states did. It is not a reason to go to catastrophic kinds of precautions, like, say, Governor Gavin Newsom did in California, where he literally told people, you can't leave your home, you can't go for a walk, you can't run your business, you can't go to church. And at the same time that a lot of the elites were saying that to a lot of us, They were out going to rallies and and political meetings and things like that. It was really more of a political tool than it was anything else. And that's especially troubling because the idea that we're now in an election year, The Democrats are panicked. And I'm telling you, there is a tie between the politics of this country and the pronouncements of people from the medical establishment. They all, for the most part, work for politicians. They work for governors. They work for mayors. They work for city councils. And at least in the biggest cities in America, those mayors and governors and city councils are Democrats. And they are convinced that they are going to lose this year's election and Joe Biden is going to get the boot He's going to be forced finally at long last out of the White House and America can get back on track. But if they decide that they can scare us up with a triple demic, they might just do it to try to win an election and be forewarned about that. 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio
3: Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Best investment in talk radio, and it's free. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure
0: to be with you, and I've taken a position on the Ukraine war that is not the most popular one in some circles because I've said I want to know what our national security interest is. I also want to know what the end game is and what anybody considers success. And until that happens, I don't want to see more tens of billions of dollars uh, shipped off to Ukraine. Michael Bernstein has been nice enough. He's a research fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford with an expertise in international economics, the former Soviet Union, and Russian politics. Uh, Professor Bernstein has been nice enough to come on and give us updates from his point of view, uh, and, uh, and I'm glad to hear them. Because I want to see where we're going and whether or not we're moving any closer to an end to this war uh, between Russia and Ukraine that has been so expensive in terms of human life, but also expensive in dollar terms for the American taxpayers. Professor, welcome back. Thank you, and Happy New Year to you, audience. Happy New Year to you as well. Professor, are, are we getting any closer to an end, and, and what is the end game?
8: Let me give you a very bad answer, unfortunately. There is no, <laughs> no end game. We are not closer to the end, this is an unwinnable war by any side, And there is no end in sight. If you look at the Iran-Iraq war in the 80s, it lasted eight years and ended with both sides were exhausted and million lives were lost. This is a sad lesson from history. When you look now at the Hamas-Israel war, you will see that we are talking about the future administration of Palestine after the end of the war. So we're thinking in terms that we know that there is something we can call the end of the war. Or what we can call after the end of the war here in Russia Ukraine we don't have the, the things that we can call after the end of the war. We don't know when it will end we don't know how it will end and when we ask the admi- uh, United States administration it is clueless because there is no answer. And so does it make sense in that case then to
0: sue for peace or are we just just yoked to this thing for the next several
3: decades?
8: Unfortunately, there is no peace because Russia expressed its desire to the, uh, a lot of lands of the former, not only just of the former Soviet Union, and some of them are now members of the NATO and were obligated to defend them, but they want again back to the entire Eastern Europe. They're, they have this kind of a millionaire uh, vision of the world, uh, which no one uh, would be uh, would agree to surrender to. So there is no end until the regime change in Russia. Until Putin is
0: gone is what we
8: mean Uh, until Putin possibly until Putin is gone or or maybe bigger than that maybe uh, a a, a regime change in the sense like look in the Soviet Union we had the Cold War for 45 years and then it ended in 1989 why because there was a regime change from inside the uh, Soviet Union so maybe there there will be regime change but it has to come from inside Russia
0: And there's no middle ground compromise that could be reached between Ukraine and Russia to say, let's just stop the fighting. I mean, officially, we're still at war in in Korea, aren't we?
8: right exactly and it is possible one of the possible scenarios is to freeze it but with the koreans everyone agreed that the 38th parallel is something that uh, uh, both sides from time to time they shoot at each other send missiles but don't forget 28,000 of U.S. GIs U.S. soldiers and officers are in South Korea so we don't want to send and that's what preserves peace there we don't want to send Uh, 50,000 or 70,000 American troops in Ukraine.
0: And what would Ukraine consider to be an acceptable end? Just simply back to the old boundaries?
8: That's what, that's what they're saying, because they're afraid that, uh, that uh, otherwise uh, there will be more and more and more demands. So this is a kind of peace which you sign today and demand more tomorrow. So you always renegotiate and renegotiate. There is no honest bargain and there is no honest uh, peace inside. Have you ever seen a situation
0: where a conflict has been ended somewhere on the planet, where the two sides said, "We will agree, this is where the fighting ends and, and no more what no more compromises by either side un, until both sides are willing to do it and, and just simply make it contingent on that. Is there a way to do it that way?
8: The last precedent was the Peace of Westphalia in 1648. But it took 30 year the 30-year war, 30-year uh, war in Europe when Europe was uh, totally decimated. So, no, unfortunately, one side should win. And that means, and
0: if the U.S. were to stop backing or even dramatically cut back, the financing of the war and i've i've taken a position against that from the very beginning uh... you know whether i'm right or wrong about that professor that's the way i see it uh, if we stop backing the war russia would win correct
8: Uh, Russia would win it may even win uh, uh, anyway, but uh, Ukraine will not surrender so there will be, uh, even after World War II, when the Soviet Union took over Poland and Western Ukraine what is now Western Ukraine uh, used to be part of Poland for five years, the mighty Soviet Union which defeated Nazi Nazi Germany, could not defeat the insurgency there so we will have something that we saw in Iraq, after the American invasion and lots of people killed, uh, and uh, there is no end in sight. So even Russia winning, it will be a victory uh, with uh, tens of thousands of people killed thereafter. So, so there, it's a no solution
0: situation. You can't quit. You can't keep going, and you can't find a peace in the middle. Do you see? Is there any way to think out of the box on
8: this one? Unfortunately, you've just put your finger on it and unfortunately it's just uh, uh, the best the best possible outcome would be a low intensity warfare at this uh, line of separation, both sides exhausted, low intensity, fewer casualties and waiting until the regime change in Russia
0: and America keeps on shipping tens of billions of dollars into Ukraine.
8: And America keeps on shipping, and the European Union keeps on shipping, and uh, uh, they could use also the frozen Russian funds uh, that, uh, to finance the war, will be, which will be some sort of a, a divine justice in this. But generally, there is, no, there is no good outcome there. Well, and when you mention Europe's contributions,
0: Europe was never enthusiastic about supporting in this case, in any, in any case, what, were they?
8: Well, no, actually Germany is the greatest supporter there, and now, of course, uh, uh, people vote uh, with their own joining the NATO, Finland and Sweden, which used to be neutral, now have joined the NATO because they're afraid of Russia, because they understand that Russia will not stop that Russia on this march.
0: So where do we go from here, Professor? This this just sounds like a terrible situation where there's well, going to be continued loss of the... life and
8: continued costs Unfortunately, yes, yes. It's a, it's a long war. It's a terrible situation. It's a global tragedy. And the best possible outcome would be just kind of to freeze it somewhat with a low-intensity warfare along the lines of separation.
0: OK, so does Putin try to amp up the level and say, well, then we're not going to have low-intensity I'll start using more powerful weapons.
8: Uh, he 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 will run out of money uh, because oil prices are declining, natural gas prices are declining, and Russian exports are declining. And he uh, now has a huge budget deficit, uh, which is very difficult to finance. And uh, there are some uh, domestic problems there. So, uh, it, it, but he will he, he 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 may try to escalate. So this is this is a very difficult situation.
3: Professor,
0: it's always a pleasure, and Happy New Year to you and yours. Right. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you, sir. That's Michael Bernstein, a research fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. He's got expertise in international economics, the former Soviet Union, and Russian politics. Your phone calls and emails are welcome, too, at 866 hey Lawrence. That's 866-439-5277. Naysayers go to the head of the line. Emails go to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest. I'm I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers?
1: Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup.
0: So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds?
1: Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio.
2: Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.
3: No need to adjust your volume. He's just that loud. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show.
0: It's a pleasure to be with you on a Monday, live on the Radio Northwest Network, this year celebrating 24 years of service to the Pacific Northwest states of Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. This segment of the show is brought to you by the home power generating folks at ProTech Power. Make sure your loved ones are safe when the power goes out, and it does, and it's likely to go out a whole lot more in the next five to ten years. 541 Gen. That's 541 four. Let's go to Gordon in Seattle, listening on KVI. And if you want to listen, uh, if you want to dive into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's here every day at 866-439-5277. Gordon, what's on your mind today?
12: Uh, The the disintegration of our school system. Uh, There's a big flap about when Nikki Haley didn't know what what caused the Civil War. Everybody says it it was caused by, by slavery. No, the only reason slavery was even brought up was the Emancipation Proclamation that was given out to keep England out of the war, and, uh, and, and that's, that's just pure history. The only reason slavery was ever mentioned was, was, was the Emancipation Proclamation about midway through that was to keep England out of the war.
0: Well, except that Gordon the the fight was largely about slavery. There were states' rights issues, there were economic issues, there were a lot of other issues, but you know, I, I think you're, you're taking a page out of Joe Biden's book because Biden, I mean, I don't think much of Nikki Haley as a candidate uh for a whole bunch of reasons and not because she made a stupid gaffe about the civil war and i think it was a stupid gaffe she knows about she knew that slavery was one of the 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 signature issues within that now if you said this war was no, all about it slavery wasn't.
12: no it, it was the reason look the south fired on fort sumter and that started and the reason that was was because the import taxes because England, they, they can only sell their cotton to England and, and then they, they couldn't bring anything back in because it, for the, because the import taxes, import taxes in the U.S. government at that point was running a tremendous surplus. No, the, the South, the South, South started the war and it had nothing to do with slavery.
0: Okay. Had, I don't, it, agree, it I, don't do agree, with, I don't agree with you Gordon and my reading of history is different than yours but like I said I'm always glad to have naysayers. Uh but but to say it had nothing to do with it I don't think makes any sense. I don't think that's no, fact. No, I I, did, I didn't say it had nothing after. to do. It, it, You just did it say it had nothing.
12: No, it had nothing to do in the start of the war had nothing to do with slavery. In fact the South even offered to free all the slaves uh, and uh, and 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 North kept attacking. No, slavery w- was not an issue at the start of the war. It only w- became an issue during the war because the Emancipation Proclamation to get England out of out in of the 63, war stop right.
0: England. in sixty-three. Eighteen sixty three. Yeah. Correct.
12: Oh, God, I can't. John. Hey, look. It,
3: it was. It was well, right about My my my,
12: my education was back in the fifties, and, and I remember mm-hmm. very clearly when I was mm-hmm. being taught in high school that that the the war was 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 started by the South because of of the uh, taxation of import dues because the North couldn't take all the cotton produced in the South, and so they had to sell it to England.
0: And guess, and, uh, and guess where it's going now? It's going to China instead. Our new masters. Right? Oh Jesus. No, no.
12: Yeah, no. Don't get me going on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and don't don't use his name. But I, I appreciate the call. Gordon, thanks very much. 866-Hey Lars. That's eight six six four three nine five two seven seven. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Our our ex poll today. I got to get used to calling it the X poll instead of the Twitter poll. Should Joe Biden fire his defense secretary for keeping a serious hospital stay by Lloyd Austin in the hospital in intensive care, keeping it secret from Joe Biden? I guess it it tells you more than maybe you wanted to know about the fact that the Biden administration has Joe Biden as a sock puppet up front to pretend to be president of the United States. He's apparently not aware Of what's actually going on with his within his own administration now would you expect that if the defense secretary knew I'm going in for surgery on December 22nd I'm gonna have some elective surgery then he goes home and he's not feeling great a week later and he decides he has to go back to the hospital he was apparently in incredible pain and we still don't have details uh, about what exactly is wrong or was wrong with Lloyd Austin. But spending four days in the ICU, I think, would indicate to you there was something seriously wrong with Lloyd Austin. Would, has that been fixed? We don't know. And to some extent, I know that people will say, well, your medical concerns are your private business. And in fact, Lloyd Austin has come out today and said, hey, my my medical concerns are my private business. Not when you have a job like Defense Secretary. It certainly isn't when you have a job like President of the United States. You'll recall that Ronald Reagan had some health concerns during his time in office. Jimmy Carter had had hemorrhoids when he was in office. and uh, And so every single time, I think when you decide to take on the job of President of the United States or Secretary of Defense, that you give up a certain amount of your privacy. If there is something seriously wrong with you, And apparently four days in the ICU would tell me there was something seriously wrong with Lloyd Austin. You don't just say, well, my 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 subordinate, the deputy deputy secretary of of defense will be in charge while I'm gone. And she's off sitting on a beach in Puerto Rico. She's on vacation, and supposedly she's running the show because her boss is sitting in the intensive care unit of the hospital? That one makes no sense. Today's Expo is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. You're listening to the Radio Northwest Network and the Lars Larson Show. The last, last. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you're in an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours visit 1031exchange.com.